Welcome to Sibylline Podcasts, part of our Insights series where we aim to provide relevant, timely and actionable analysis in a discursive format. We hope you enjoy listening and welcome any feedback. Please visit our website for more Insight Series updates and as always, like, subscribe and share. Hello, welcome to Sibylline's first podcast of 2020. I'm here with Camilla Regano, our Latin America analyst, and today we're going to be talking about the situation in Venezuela. So, Camilla, one year after Juan Guaido was elected president of the National Assembly and declared himself acting president of Venezuela, the country tumbled into a new political crisis on the 5th of January. So is it new year, new crisis? Can you tell me what's going on? Yes. So on the 5th of January, the National Assembly was expected to renew Guaido's mandate as president of the Legislative Chamber. However, on that morning, security forces surrounded the premises of the building and barred opposition lawmakers from entering the chambers to participate in the voting. Footage on social media showed Guaido himself attempting to climb over the fences to access the assembly, but is blocked by riot police officers. In the meantime, legislators aligned with President Nicolás Maduro elected Luis Parra, a dissident opposition lawmaker, as the new speaker of the chamber. All right, so Guaido was barred from entering the building. Opposition lawmakers were there in full force, but Guaido was still reconfirmed as president of the assembly? Yes, correct. Indeed, hours after Parra's nomination, opposition legislators held a plenary session outside the premises of the national newspaper in Caracas and re-elected Guaido as president of the assembly. But it was only on the 7th of January that he took oath in the chamber, after security forces attempted for the second time to block him and his allies from entering the legislative palace. So, you know, this has been a political crisis for at least the last year, and we have all these new developments. What does this mean for the ongoing crisis in Venezuela? So the country is certainly leaving an unprecedented political standoff as the political power is now being contested not only by two rival presidents, but also by two opposing speakers of the chamber. Over the next six months, the implications of such dispute will further exacerbate the political gridlock that has been dominating in Venezuela since the protests on the streets lost momentum and peace negotiations broke off in September 2019. All right, so we're looking at sustained political gridlock, and what more does this mean for the actual actors involved? What's Maduro looking at over the next couple of months? So for Maduro, the attempt to sideline the opposition signaled a clear intent to legitimize Guado's authority and to further consolidate his hold on power. We have to remember here that the National Assembly remains to date the only independent branch of the government, as two-thirds of its lawmakers are part of the opposition. But while the move might have seemed to backfire, we assess that his intent might have been to not only oust Guaido, but to also expose the political rifts within the opposition front and thus undermine its international credibility. Right, so Maduro is looking to undermine Guaido. So what does this mean? Do you think it's going to work? Well, for Guaido, things are more complicated because while his popularity seemed to have gained a boost when he physically forced his entry into the National Assembly, he later failed to mobilize large street protests, which he had called for after the 7th of January. In light of this, and as the economic and humanitarian crisis deepens in the country, sustained protests will continue to exert pressure on Maduro. But they will not be the main triggers of a change in government in the next months. Rather, the most likely scenario would entail Guaido's ability to corral elements of Maduro's inner circle to desert the president's ranks. 
So it sounds like the protest element is just something that's becoming more of the status quo. Are we expecting to see more of these moving forward, um, or are we going to be looking at more of the higher level political machinations that you were talking about? No, so as mentioned earlier, low-level protests will continue across the country, but large crowds will be harder to mobilize. While politically, the rivalry between Guaido and Parra will elevate policy risk, as both leaders claim the legitimacy to power. We do not expect Maduro to step down at least over the next six months, as he will attempt to gain an image of legitimacy by holding parliamentary elections later this year. However, the current political scenario of true rival speakers of the chamber will likely hinder the nomination of an independent electoral council that can oversee and ensure the free and fair development of such elections. Great. So we focus a lot on Venezuela and what's happening in the domestic political scene. But what about the international community? What has been their reaction to these developments? Um, what do we see them participating in, if at all, or intervening? Mm -hmm. So the international condemnation to Parra's nomination was swift, as the US, the EU, and the Lima Group, which comprises Colombia as well, all condemned what was dubbed an unlawful election due to the lack of a quorum. Most interestingly, though, Russia was the only foreign power to back Parra, as speculations see Moscow sponsoring such course of action to ensure the signing of more oil and gas contracts. Right, so let's focus on Colombia. You mentioned that they, as part of the Lima group, condemned the nomination of Parra. Uh, what does this mean for the region, or why did they do this? Mm, Colombia described Parra's election as fraudulent and said it wouldn't recognize it. But this is not surprising, as President Ivan Duque had already recognized Guaido in January 2019, when he was first appointed as Venezuela head of the Congress. Parra's failed recognition, therefore, just reaffirms Colombia's stance towards Venezuela, and it confirms the already strained bilateral relations between Caracas and Bogota. Okay, so Colombia's actions make sense in light of their historical stance. Um, do you see these bilateral relations changing or having any significant developments in light of uh, the protracted crisis in Venezuela? Well, as we reported on our annual forecast, with Maduro likely to remain in power for the next 6 to 12 months, two main factors will compound to worsen bilateral relations, namely migration flows and the alleged harboring of Colombia's FARC dissidents. Firstly, the ongoing economic and humanitarian crisis in Venezuela will continue to foster migration flows predominantly destined to Colombia and to fuel animosity between the two neighbors. To date, Colombia hosts the majority of the nearly 5 million refugees that have fled the country since 2015, having accepted more than 1.5 million Venezuelans so far. Colombia's lack of an established legal framework regarding immigration has led to the creation of ad hoc measures, such as citizenship decrees, to mitigate the impact of the influx of Venezuelan immigrants. However, a long-term approach that seeks to facilitate the integration of refugees will be needed to, meet, need to mitigate the economic and security risks posed to Bogota, as levels of violence and criminality in border regions will continue. Secondly, the presence of organized criminal groups in Colombian border areas, such as Norte de Santander and Arauca, will also continue to foment tensions between Caracas and Bogota. In 2019, President Ivan Duque accused Maduro of harboring and financially supporting FARC dissidents in these border regions, meaning that insurgency will surely be an underlying threat multiplier for bilateral relations this year. 
In particular, the Colombian northeastern border will continue to be the main stage of intermittent escalations in tensions, which will mainly manifest in the form of heavy deployment of security forces that could potentially impact cross-border movements and supply chains. Okay, so we're looking at you know, continued tensions over refugee flows and the migrant crisis that we're seeing in Bogota, and then as well the increasing violence and criminality along the border regions and border areas. So in sum, the longer Maduro stays in power, it sounds like the worse the situation will be, but mostly along the border and especially in terms of supply chain uh, vulnerabilities and armed groups. Is that right? Yes, correct, Katie. While the current coexistence of two leaders of the Venezuelan National Assembly does not have an immediate political implication for Colombia, the persistence of Venezuela's social and economic crisis will elevate the risks of attacks and organized crime in border regions, while also weighing on the Bogotá's socioeconomic health in the long run. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Camilla, for that uh, summary of the ongoing issues in Venezuela. I'm <laughs> sure that we'll have you back on soon, but hopefully not too soon. For those of our listeners who have more interest in the region or would like to know more or additional questions or more information, please don't hesitate to reach out to the info at sublime.co.uk email account. Until next time, thank you very much.